0: Let us pray. Father God, we pray right now as we approach uh, your scriptures, um, these letters and these these words that you've given us to, to encourage us, but not only just encourage us, uh, to stimulate within us uh, a desire deeper for you, a desire to know you more, to be more faithful to you, to Uh, actually live as we are created to live. I pray that uh, not only the words in these scriptures, not only the words from our mouth, but all the words and thoughts that that happen be intertwined with the Spirit, be of your will, and change us. It's in your Son's holy name. You may be seated. Before we uh, read this scripture, I think it's important, uh, first off, to say, uh, this is probably the text that we're going to be reading today. is maybe one of my favorite texts from Paul uh, in the scriptures, but that really doesn't mean much to you. It shouldn't. Um, what what should mean is what, uh, this is what, uh, uh, I think we're going to get a glimpse of what Paul understood about who Christ was. See, we want to ask the question, what did Christ do? What did Christ do for me? How did Christ do it? All these questions, the, the, the who usually does not get asked about who Jesus is. It's, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again, what would Jesus do? It's such a bad concept whenever we say Jesus is still doing things. Why do we worry about what he did? Why don't we ask, what is Jesus doing? Or rather, uh, uh Why did Jesus do it? Why did Jesus do these things? It's a pertinent question, but I think a better question, a question that we can ask right now, and Paul's going to answer a bit of, just a bit of, who is Jesus? So, let us read Philippians 2 6 through 18. And by the way, you remember last week I talked about um, having the mind of Christ, having the mind of Christ. Now he's saying, this is the mind of Christ. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I'm going to read that again. Who, being Jesus, though he was in the form of God, he was God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Paul said this. I'm not writing it. I didn't make this up. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that as the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And I will say amen, but there's more. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so... Starting with verse 12, he says, Okay, so who is Jesus? Boom. Since that's who Jesus is, therefore, we, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in the my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I didn't write that. That's written up there. Paul said it. We're going to deal with what that means. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So, Maggie, keep your finger on the trigger, because we're moving back and forth, alright? Let's go back to the very first. We're going to start with uh, uh, the very, very, very confusing verse. We're going to start with a very confusing verse in verse 6 who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. Okay. Some of you have may have experienced this. Some of you have may not experience experienced this. But did you know that to be fully human, you can't realize that you're God. And that's what Paul's trying to say here. That Jesus didn't fully get that he was God until the resurrection. There's argument to be made that he understood himself to be like Elijah, doing miracles like Elijah through the power of the Spirit, like Elijah, and be the Messiah. That is easily, that is an easy argument. But what Paul here is saying is is that he himself did not really fully grasp the concept that he himself was God. Everyone with me? That's, That's a classic Christology. That's a classic Christological reality. And I know that that's kind of perturbs us because I'll explain in a second why it needs to be as such. Here's why it needs to be as such. Jesus himself, when he went to the cross or when he uh, was was beaten or when he was hungry or when he suffered or when he uh, did any of these things that seemed to be what miraculous good examples of faithfulness was, wasn't just examples of faithfulness given to you by God through God's power. He was living faithfulness out of his humanity. Do you know that? That when Jesus was tempted, he was tempted without, he was tempted. It wasn't that he was, oh, huh, that really didn't matter to him or whenever he was beaten, he didn't pretend. Whenever he was whipped, or whenever he was flogged, he didn't go, ow, how that really hurt. As if that really didn't hurt. He was genuinely, actually, physically, and really a human being. Is this new to anybody? It's okay, you can raise your hand, that's fine. But I wanna say, maybe we don't push it in the realm of how human he actually was enough. Okay? Meaning that when he was tempted or when he was, was wrestling with something, because I'll tell you why this is important to understand, and it will explain the later verses in a second. So ride with me on this train. Ride with me how far we can go on, 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 on how much he lived out of his humanity. Whenever Jesus was, uh, would talk to someone... Whenever he dealt with certain things, he was being led by the Spirit to do these things. When he taught, he taught by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? He didn't didn't teach from his divinity. He teached out of his humanity, but he taught out of his humanity by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? It's a huge, huge distinction that maybe not is taught enough. When he taught these things, when he did these things, he was fully God. He was absolutely 100% God, but also he was 100% human. It's a mystery. I will not be able, I mean, I know mathematically that doesn't make sense, but he wasn't 50% God and 50% human. When you saw Jesus Christ, you saw 100% a human being, or a human being, but you also looked in the face of God. I don't get it. Don't claim to get it. We'll never get it fully. My my college students would say, "100% God, 100% man, 200% awesome." That's what they would say. It's a college joke. But whenever he would do things, whenever he healed. Whenever he took that, the, the blind man and he pulled him up or whenever he took the cripple and healed him and said, get up, walk, your sins are forgiven. He did that because the Spirit led him. And, and, and whenever you talk about in Mark, whenever he would go up to the quiet place and he would go and pray and he would spend time with God, he did that. Not, not to just model the fact that you should have devotions. He did that because it was his lifeblood. It was what he needed. He needed to commune with his Father through the power of the Spirit. He needed to be this because this was what he was created to be. Whoa, Jesus being created. But Yes, you know that. That's what Christmas is about. He was born. He was a human being. We, don't, we, we like to leave him in the middle. In the middle ground, we like to to see him as some sort of super superman, right? Some sort of superhuman god man that was able to to fly and walk on water and do these things that in reality Elijah himself did or Elisha did. He was actually able to make an axe head float. You know, genuinely in the Old Testament, read that axe head float, kill people, cause dead to rise. So Jesus himself didn't do anything that through the power of the Spirit, Elijah or Elisha didn't do already for him. So whenever he did these things, he did them out of his humanity. So then I want to catapult us to one scene in Scripture. One scene. Because if he remains in this superhuman realm, this one scene doesn't mean much. It doesn't. It's confusing. But if he remains here, living faithfully to the Father, living to to try to honor his Father with his whole heart, mind, body, and soul by the power of the Spirit, there's no better example than in the Garden of Gethsemane, this man who was pleading with his Father. Please, God, may this cup pass from me. You see, if he understood equality with God... He, then that would have been a vain petition. That petition to say, please, God, let this cup pass from me. Please, God, let this cup pass from me. Would have been, please, God, let this cup pass from me. I know you're not going to ask me to do it, but I'm just kind of making making this stuff up so that people can tell stories about me. No. I think out of this humanity, he lived in this human, as a human being, fully human, fully God. I always have to kind of throw that caveat because I don't want confusion here. But living out in his full humanity, he's sitting there and he's saying, God, may this cup pass for me. And then when he said the next thing, and we all know, but not my will, but yours be done. Right? That is the eternal posture that you and I need to take when facing anything in life. When facing the most difficult things in life, whatever they may be, we need to pursue the Father with everything that we have, with our whole hearts. We literally have to cut our hearts out of our body, our, our, our guts, everything that we have, and we need to lay them bare before our Father. Our mind, we need to, to, to piece it apart and say, this is who we are. Please don't take me there. Please don't let that happen. Please stop this. Please allow that. Please give me this. Please take this away, whatever it may be. Right? Explain a prayer life to me then. That's not like that. Jesus, what Jesus was doing was there. He was showing us, not just showing us. He was living what it means to pray. And it can only happen out of his humanity. He did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. No, no, no. That will come. That will come right now. He is taking your humanity. He's experiencing each and every one of your experiences right there in the garden. He's taking that and he's experiencing it. And he's saying, not my will, but yours be done. He's doing the thing that you are called to do and sometimes don't have the power to do. Sometimes you say, God would never allow this to happen. Ah, oh. How would God never allow this to happen? You can't know the will of God so much more. If Jesus can't understand the equality, grasp what it means to be have the mind of God. How could you? He's sitting there. sitting in the garden. And it says that he's uh, blood's coming on He's sweating blood. And of course, the harshest I'll be to the disciples because I sit there comfortably right beside them if I was no better than them bumbling idiots when Jesus comes over you need to pray he comes in you need to pray he's doing that out of his humanity he's like I am afraid I have trembling right now I'm trembling not just trembling I'm, you see the sweat It happens to be blood right now that's what he's saying he goes back and he goes to pray and he goes back are you praying and they're all asleep Stay up, he says. Pray. He goes back and prays. He starts talking to his father again. And he's laying out his guts. And he's laying out his heart. And he's laying out his mind. And he's talking to him. And he's asking. And he wakes up and he goes over. He gets up and he goes over. And he, look, they're asleep again. You see, this is very much the human Jesus getting up from praying to his father. Doing his father's will. And asking us to do the same thing. And you see, when we go to the next uh, next couple of verses, go uh, where it says fear and trembling. I think it's verse 12. This is what it means to work out the salvation with fear and trembling. I'll get back to this whole Jesus-Human thing in a second. You see... We don't like this verse. Luther didn't like this verse. Folks don't like this verse. You know why? You might understand why. It in some way, shape, or form presupposes a work's righteousness. You have to work out. If you do enough X, Y, and Z, boom, you will be saved, right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That is not what this verse means, It's a bit progressive. It pushes us. But it's not saying you work your own salvation. No, that's not what this is saying at all. Because you've got to realize the concept of sozo. The concept of salvation. That word is it's done. It is your salvation. As if it says work out as one who is saved. It's not what it says. It's not what it says in the Greek. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't change the words in your Bible. All right? Don't, don't cross it out and change it on top. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm giving you the definition of how to look at this. Work out your salvation, comma, as ones who are saved, end, comma, with fear and trembling. Work out that salvation. Work out that title that you have. You are saved, good. Great, we're going to stop throwing parades for your salvation. Let's start talking about how you're going to work that out. What does that mean now? You are saved? What does that mean? It's not end. It's not for, this isn't some sort of fire insurance. This isn't some sort of thing that Jesus did for you so you don't have to worry about life ever again after you die. That's not what this is about. What this is about is whenever you start following the Father, like a human being is created to follow the Father, He will start bringing you to the Garden of Gethsemane, and He will start drawing you to places where you are going to be afraid and you are going to tremble. If you haven't feared and if you haven't trembled where God is taking you, you're not not living a risky enough life. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you haven't, uh, you don't love Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, let him, let him draw you a place where you're afraid, uncertain. But there's, because you know what, and I'll say this to the day I die, you are in the righteous right hand of your Creator, and there is no safer place to be than the righteous right hand of your Creator. And Jesus was. And if, 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 if a God who loves you and, and has already saved you, why wouldn't he draw you into a place that requires you to trust him, that requires you to live in a place where you're going to have some anxiety, where you're going to be fearful, where you're going to be a little bit trembling? You see, this is what, if he didn't... Uh, 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 if he didn't exclude his own son from that reality, if he didn't exclude Jesus Christ from uh, from that experience of being at the garden and saying, Lord, here's my guts, here's my heart, here's my mind, here's all of who I am, please take this cup from me. If he didn't exclude his own son from that, he's not gonna exclude you. But I have to tell you, three days later, When Jesus says, put your hands here, put your hands here, to Thomas, well, it was a couple weeks later with Thomas. But whenever he showed himself to people and he was experiencing a level of praise and worship, that is a reality of what fear and trembling will draw you towards. Whenever you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, you are going to be brought into a place of the Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, that's going to be anxiety-inducing but trust. You see, if Jesus Jesus wasn't fully human at the garden, experiencing his emotions, it was a fake. This was just an act. And I don't think this was an act. Whenever he was being beaten, whenever he himself could have said to Caesar, what is truth? And he could have answered with an answer that would have completely got him off and Caesar would have intervened and said, no, no, this man's free. He could have done that. He didn't. He pushed that fear aside. It was real. It was clearly real in the garden. And he could have talked his way out of it. What did he say to Peter when Peter cut the man's ear off? He said, could I not bring legions of angels to my defense? And he's doing that as a fully human being. This is the the promise here. This is the good stuff. Doing as a, if he's still remaining in his humanity, which I believe he is, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, I can bring angels to my defense, but I choose not to because I'm following my Father's will. You have this power. You have this power. And it says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could tell a mountain to jump from here and go into the sea, right? It says that in the scripture. What it means is this not that you're going to go on and do, perform tricks. You, there's nothing you can't do in the power of the Spirit when God leads you. You just allow, you need to actually throw off the power of what fear and trembling can do in your life. Fear is the worst enemy to you. Trembling is the worst enemy to you. Doesn't mean having fear isn't, no, no. But giving it power, letting it stop you from doing things you are called to do. That is not what we're talking about here. If you're not brought into a level of of pursuing your salvation, where you're going to start being afraid and have fear and trembling, push yourself. Push yourself. That might mean talk to your neighbor. That might mean talk to your uh, the the grocery clerk. That might mean talking to your son or daughter, your mother and father. A very hard discussion. I don't know. It might also mean that you're supposed to go and help a homeless person in a way that you would never even remotely fear, think that you would. I don't know, I don't know. I'm not giving you all. I'm just trying to push you. I'm trying to push you, and and by the way, what's happening here at Good City, I think there's a lot of folks here that's being brought into a level of anxiety and fear. Don't let it dictate. We are here to serve, we follow our father. Push it away. Right? That's what's happening when we pursue Jesus Christ. I'm gonna read the rest of this verse because it's, it's a good way to end this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, when he saw Paul, but much more in my absence. Work out your salvation, your own salvation, with fear and trembling. Realize that that's going to happen just like the garden of Gethsemane. Work it out. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Work it out. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure, not your good pleasure, which is why you have fear and trembling in the first place. He is going to do these things, and he may actually cause you to do things that cause a lot of anxiety, cause a lot of discomfort. That happens. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. You know what that means? Jesus, when he was beaten, he didn't go, woe is me, everybody. He just did. He walked, carried his cross to the cross. He didn't cry up on the cross. He didn't say, what did he say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He said multiple things. You see, he forgave people. He forgave the, 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 the one thief on the cross. He did certain things. And then he cried out to his father. I think out of his humanity he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was led to a point of complete desperation. But never did he complain. Only to his father. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as as lights in this world. You see, he's gonna be drawing you to things to do amazing things. Um, I can remember, um, briefly, I can remember hearing stories of, of, of people like Mother Teresa or, or uh, missionaries doing amazing things, and I thought it was the craziest thing in the world. But I also thought really highly of these people. Even growing up, didn't even know Jesus, didn't know nothing about Jesus. But when I heard about what Ma- uh, uh, Mother Teresa did, whew, I was like, that's weird but amazing. That's weird. That's significant. She didn't, she never knew me. She never met me, but yet she had a witness to me. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. What he's saying is, is I worked hard for you guys. I worked hard. I labored. I worked out my fear and trembling. My, my salvation was fear and trembling for your sake. Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering, your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. This is Paul's hope for all of us. Um, let's hang in there. Let's work out our salvation on fear and trembling. And let's keep trying to pursue the Father, not giving credence to that fear and trembling. Okay? So, coming back, who is the Father? Who is Jesus Christ? He's the one who's grabbing a hold of you. And he's pulling you along to places you may not want And that's okay. That's one, that's one answer to that question. Who is Jesus? He's grabbing a hold of you and he's pulling you along in his kingdom. Amen? That's good. That's good news to me. It may not be comforting, but that's good news. Lord Jesus Christ, Son, living God, have mercy upon us. We ask that you please bless us with faithfulness. Bless us with the, 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 the lack of substance that comes with fear. Take that to drain that of power in our hearts and in our minds and allow love and pursuit of the Father and love of one another to reign in our lives your son's believing. Amen. Let us respond to this message with our... Uh, prayers of confession. Uh, silently praying. Let us confess.